Do you ever wonder why some podcasts are so successful? Do you wish that you could replicate the success of some of the top podcasts? So do we. And we believe there is no harm in asking. So we're questioning everything about how podcasts are produced, hosted, and monetized. This is No Harm in Asking. I'm Eric Byron. I'm Michael Kerr. Always excited to share my thoughts. We review podcasts and look for clues to why some make it big. And some don't make it at all. This week, we'll be reviewing Forever is a Long Time with Ian Koss. So, Michael, this one's a little out of our realm, I think. You actually introduced me to this one after, I I believe, you saw that it had been um, awarded, right? It was uh, New York Times top 10 or best 10 of 2021. And I'll admit when I first looked at it, it was about divorce and this guy telling this story. It's just five episodes. And I really wasn't very interested. But I have to admit, once I listened to part of an episode, I really, really enjoyed this one. So talk to me a little bit about why you really liked this one and and wanted to do this review. Yeah, this one, again, you know, we we obviously were looking for ones that were interview style. And so when I looked down the list of the ones that the uh, the New York Times article had highlighted, this was one of the one of the few that that sort of involved interviews. And, you know, this was really quite interesting because he had he had been able to get his family members to talk about a very intimate part of their lives. And, you know, they all agreed. And, you know, it's interesting, I think, when um, when he talks about this, that he felt, you know, at any point, this could just fall apart, that, you know, that one of his guests would say, you know, uh, Ian, I don't, I no longer, I don't want to do this. I, I, you know, I don't want my, I don't want my comments to be put on, uh, you know, or made available on, uh, you know, to the public. And yet I really got the sense that I was involved in this really intimate conversation between family members and, and just the drama that was associated with it from the, the, the music and the production. Um, and so it just made me feel like I was part of something that was really you know, important. And I, just the way it made me feel was like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm listening to something that seems you know, really quite significant. And uh, and that's why I really enjoyed it. It it just seemed like a, like an event, a production. And I was a part of it and uh, it made me really sort of, you know, excited. Okay. No, it's a, it's an interesting reaction because I'll, you know, I have to say his, the premise of the show, right. Is that um, everyone in his family has been divorced. Right. So he's now seven years into his marriage and really questioning Right. We love questions and he's questioning. That's why it it does kind of fit the mold for us. But he's questioning what effect all of these divorces have on him. Right. Is is his marriage doomed because everyone in his family, his grandparents, his parents, his brothers, like everybody, you know, his aunts, his uncles, everybody's been divorced. But I have to admit, for me, the idea of this didn't really hit home. Right. I have the opposite kind of experience, right? I've been married personally over 35 years. 
my parents were never divorced. I have no siblings that are divorced. Uh, I think there's an aunt who was divorced like before I was born and then remarried really early. I don't have this kind of concept, if you will, right, of worrying about, oh, all these people, everybody around me has been divorced because nobody around me has been divorced. Even my wife's side of the family, her parents just celebrated 61 years married. Her siblings are all, you know, she's got four siblings. I think they're all married close to 30 years. Uh, so yeah, it's just not a common factor for us. So I was surprised at how drawn in I was by the story. And one of the things that I, I noted that really, uh, again, and sometimes you have to go back and really re-listen to something to catch what's happening there. But in episode two, he starts it out. His wife is kind of in the background, right? And she's got the dog. Apparently the dog has decided the dog wants to participate in this recording session they're going to do and wants to get in her lap. And you can hear her in the background kind of negotiating with the dog to try and get the dog in her lap and situated so she can record with him. And he's still talking. He's kind of doing the, the kind of intro of the episode, you know, setting it up. And then um, she asks him why now, right? That's kind of the right. setup in the beginning of the second episode. But there's such a feeling of he's just bringing you kind of into his home, into his life, that this isn't a production. This isn't a grand, elaborate story he's going to tell. He's just bringing you in. And I, you know, he just wants to talk about his family and his situation. This isn't about anybody else. I also love that he, he doesn't preach, right? He doesn't come at this from the perspective that Oh, I'm going to discover, or in the end, right? I have discovered some revelation about why marriages succeed or fail, um, and then preach to you about you know what you need to do. He he doesn't do any of that. He simply talks about how it affects him and how he feels about his relationship and his marriage in the context of of all of this that's been going on. So I I too I, I wouldn't say that my life is. Um, um, you know, has been one that's been plagued by divorce. I do have um, uh, aunts and uncles who uh, have gone through divorce. Um, and it's not something that you know much about, right? The intimacy of, you know, other people's relationships is yeah. is really not something that's ever discussed. Um, you know, you, at some point this, this occurs and, you know, you're not really privy to, to much of the details. And yet, you know, here was a guy again, and I think he would be in the same position as almost anybody, right? You know, you know, an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent had gotten divorced years before, you know, when you were a child or a teenager, you don't know much about it. And here you had the opportunity to see, um, you know, two people talk and give both sides of the, um, of the story. And, you know, that alone, I think is, is really quite, quite fascinating. And, uh, you know, I've just never seen it really done. Right. And here's a situation where the guy had, in some cases, it was it was both sides. In some cases, you were only getting one side of the story because that person was uh, you know deceased or no longer around. Um, right. But I, I found the whole thing you know really mesmer mesmerizing. And so there's one interesting piece of that that I found in in terms of the interview style, if you will. So you you mentioned that he he talked to six or seven different people, and, and some were missing, <laughs> um, you know, from the 
balance of an equation, if you will, in why a marriage succeeded or failed. But one of the things I found really interesting in the very first episode, uh, he's talking to his his parents and the editing was so tight and clever that at one point I was tricked into thinking he was interviewing both of them at the same time Yes, and then realized, oh, wait, no, he's he's spliced this together. So like he's asked them both the same set of questions and then he's blending together their answers. So you can see how in some cases they really answered very similarly, you know, and remembered things the same way, which is hard to (laughs) comprehend. I think think most people do remember. I mean, I I think I, I mean, in the, in the case of his parents, you know, it was all about, how do we meet and what was the situation and how did you get together? I mean, I think people remember this, you know, these components yeah. of their lives. They are, they are significant, you know, components of, of their lives. Um, and so they, they do remember them. It's interesting that, so we, we, you know, we were interested in questions and one of the things that he chooses not to do is ask the same question to everybody. He's trying to tell a story, but he's not trying to unearth some sort of pattern where he can go, oh, these people clearly should have realized that, you know, this was never going to work. If I ask these detailed questions, can I figure out, you know, why they shouldn't have been married? Um, So I jotted down some questions, you know, he didn't ask, for example, you know, do you regret it? You know, were you in love? Were there red flags that you should have paid attention to? He didn't ask questions of this nature. You know, he really just you know, talked about their lives, right? A little bit of background where, you know, sure, where did you meet? And, you know, what were the circumstances? I think in at least two of the situations, people got pregnant, right? And so this resulted in, um, you know, them deciding that, you know, they're going to pull the trigger on this one, uh, whether or not, you know, there's a lesson there, perhaps there is. Now, I did pull out, sorry, I I pulled out a, a framework, if you will. I don't know that I could say he specifically asked each of these questions, but they were thematic for me, if you will. Okay. So you you mentioned, right, how did you meet? Um, he started kind of each one with, you know, tell us the story, right, of how you sure. met. But somewhere along the way, he tried to extract, if they didn't offer it up, he, um, he tried to pull it out of them, is how did you feel about the institution of marriage, right? So this was Um, a piece he clearly wanted to understand, right? So what was the context for them? How did they feel about marriage? How did that affect, right? Um, Whether they got, well, they all got divorced, right? But how did they feel about the institution of marriage? Then he he did in some way, shape or form, it seems in each one, uh, ask them or get them to talk about why did you get married, right? And then why did you get divorced? So, um, so for me, that was kind of the framework. He, he wanted to get the answers, if not by direct question, he wanted to get the answers to those four things in each of the relationships they were discussing. Did you catch that same kind of pattern? Yes. I mean, I, I think he certainly, you know, caught on to the fact that the, the individuals that chose to end the marriage were the women because <laughs> they felt at certain times and, you know, that they felt they were either no longer um, attractive to their spouse. They were no longer um, appreciated. They uh, had lost their independence, perhaps. 
Um, so that, I mean, I think that was quite interesting. It, it seemed to be yeah, very, um, I agree. Even when it was kind of mutual, it was the woman who, right, who pulled, pulled the, trigger the trigger on it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah. to speak. Right. Again, I, I think that the reason that this podcast works is just, you know, for me, the, the powerfulness of the production. And I think for, he was going to, he was going to do this as a one-off sort of five series event. And he was going to showcase himself, Ian Koss. This is this is really this podcast is about Ian Koss, right? And the yeah. and what he's capable of doing as a producer, as a professional. He's mixed in, um, you know, a wonderful voice. He obviously has, you know, he can sing, so he, he's doing some of the songs himself. He's a podcast producer as a profession, and so it really sort of encapsulates all of his skill set into this five session or episode thing that he can sort of hang on his mantle and say, look at this. I did this. He can showcase that and he's going to use it for, you know, for his professional sort of, um, you know, career. And he'll have this forever. It's one of the top 10 New York times podcasts. I mean, I, I just, I just think it really showcases the, the power of the medium, right. And it's got a, appeal to a wide swath of people, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're a child of divorce, um, or whether you're not, or whether you're looking to be married, it doesn't matter. It crosses generations. It crosses, um, you know, ethnicities. It doesn't matter. It, it, it has appeal to everybody and it's just beautifully done. And, um, you know, I hope that yeah. he takes this and it makes him, you know, I don't want not saying a star, you look him up on LinkedIn, you know, he's, He's just a regular guy, right? Who's got yeah. almost got a, just a regular job. And yet he put this thing together that is just, you know, beautiful. And uh, again, yeah, I, I agree. It just the, really showcases what the medium can do. Yeah. And I, I will also say, I right, as you clearly know, I do the sound editing for our podcast, right? I am just so jealous of what these guys were able to do with this podcast. Um, this was one of the first ones that I reviewed multiple episodes and really tried to study the, the technique and the, the editing. And I, this is way out of my league. I can't do yeah. anything. I won't even attempt to do anything anywhere near as, um, as beautiful as what he's accomplished there. Okay, Michael, here's a clip from episode two of forever is long time. This is his grandmother, right? We love his grandmother and she's spunky. She's going to tell us what she thinks of marriage, right? So her statement here is the papers are all basically the work of the devil. So listen carefully to the way he uses the music in this clip. He's so effective in his use of the volume and you know, it's in the background and then it's in the foreground and then it's in the background again. It's just beautiful. All the papers are basically work of the devil, if you ask me, period. Those words can tell you a lot about my last remaining grandparent. Yeah, I absolutely agree that the it's you know, you're never bored because there's just so many things that he can, that he's putting in um, small clips um, that emphasize the, um, the topic that's being discussed. He's got himself who interjects his own comments. He's got the interview with his relatives. He's got the conversation between his wife. He's got the occasional dog, you know, bark. 
I want to comment too on the, to, yeah, yeah, the candidness. I'd be thrilled to pull off something like this. Can you imagine? Like, I, I would just, you know, I, yeah. I would just feel so proud of myself if, if I had been able to come up with this, you know, this thing. And really, you know, yeah. it just came from a realization one day that, hey, you know, everybody I know in my family is divorced. You know, is this going to be, is this my fate? You know, it's, yeah. it's just. So that was another interesting piece I was going to say on her candidness. So the wife. And, and her commentary on this, right? So like on that specific thing, I loved that in the second episode, when she asks him, you know, why now? And yeah. he starts to comment that, you know, seven years in, I got thinking about this issue and she calls him on it, goes, no, no, no. You know, this had occurred to you before we ever got married. We talked about this before you got married, that everybody yeah. in your family had been divorced. And he didn't edit that out. And he even afterwards kind of compliments her for keeping him, you know, honest in this thing. So, yeah, I thought it was very real, very candid, very down to earth, a pleasure to listen to, even if you couldn't really relate to the issue he was wrestling with. So the other piece I, I do love about this, though, is say we love questions. And this is a, a case where he has a question he's trying to answer, right? This question is for him, um, about him, and it's not for anybody else. He doesn't do this to help anybody else answer this question. He didn't seem to be pitching anything. This was just vulnerability on display and, um, and so well-produced, as you say, the, the audio quality, the editing, the music um, was, uh, was, was really, really, Brilliant. Another thing I'll comment, uh, there was no ads, right? So um, total in uh, five episodes, you know, two and a half plus hours of uh, content here. But uh, yes, no ads. This is an ad for, for Ian Koss. You know, this is, this is what it is, right? I, I feel that he's done this as his showpiece and that, it, that that's what it is. So he's done the right thing. There's no need for, for ads in this. Well, thing. I will say... You know, as I look at, you know, there's all kinds. Although he of did, he did there. pitch his production company. You know, and again, I yeah. think um, uh, if you listen right to the end, you know, there's a producer. You know, and and he does work for a podcasting um, studio that does yeah. produce podcasts. So I think I think they very much are showcasing uh, what they're able to do as professionals. And yeah. um, and I oh, think I that's what sure their business has benefited from oh, him absolutely. doing this. No, no, and they should, they should be rewarded for doing uh, such a good job and telling such a great story. When I look at a lot of the lists of podcasts that are being reviewed or making top 10 lists, top 25 lists, whatever, there are a lot now that are pursuing this kind of format, call it a mini series, right? So instead of doing you know, modern family ongoing for year after year after year. Um, they're doing the Netflix original <laughs> miniseries kind of format. You know, he went after this kind of thing, say it's a little bit outside the realm of what we would typically be reviewing on this podcast. Um, but it was so well done. I think it's, it's worthy of talking about it. He is another little tidbit I picked up on in this is, the logo for this. So we always talk about, you know, the title and the title, you know, clever and catchy and, um, you know, the hook kind of thing. So the title here, Forever is a Long Time. 
I thought that was nice. It, you still kind of need to read the description or play the trailer to know whether you want to listen to this thing. But apparently his wife did the, the cover art, right? Yeah. So um, forever is long. There's two O's in there, one in forever, one in long. And she connected those like wedding bands, right? Right. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I thought the, uh, the cover art was, was great. And then, of course, well, it, I'm willing it, to talk it, about that point, because I think I think you make a, what I like about your comment here is that he chose not to use the word divorce in the, you know, in the in the title of the podcast. Yeah. And the word divorce, I think, you know, I think many people might look at the word and go, oh, I'm not I don't want to I don't want to listen to that. Right. You, you sort of have to look a little you have to dig a little deeper. Right. You have to go, oh, what's that? What's that podcast about? Because I think if you use there are some words, right, that maybe will, you know, cause people to take a step back and not look, not listen to the trailer or perhaps not read the notes. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't know whether they did anything, any sort of research on this. Yeah. The other thing, you know, we always comment on episode titles. So in, in this case, it's a five-part series and they're called part one through five. And he does yeah. kind of call out the relationships he's going to be talking with, right? So he has his parents uh, named in the first one and then his grandmother, um, I think uh, it's aunts and uncles after that. But yeah, so he doesn't try to be too clever in the naming of the episodes. In this case, right, unlike many of the series we've we've looked at where you may you know, kind of pick and choose what episodes you want to listen to this. It's a package deal. If you're going to listen to the first one, he's hoping you just listen to the whole series and you should listen to them in order. So I don't think it was necessary to do anything too creative on the episode titles themselves. Do you agree? Yeah, I think that's fine. I, uh, I, you know, what you, you know, what you're going to get. And, um, He's obviously, you know, identifying the fact that they're relatives of his. Um, that's what you're selling in this point, you know, in this podcast. So um, I, I have no issue with that. I think it's all, you know, it's all beautifully done. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I was just going to say, we have not been critical of this guy at all. We're always critical about something. Come on, Michael, dig deep. What can we? Oh, the only thing I the only thing here? I could dig deep. So I I you know I do like concise questions. When we do these reviews, we um we produce the transcript, and yeah. so I tend to follow along with the transcript when uh, when the podcast is when I'm listening to the podcast. Yeah, if I had to identify perhaps you know one thing, uh, as I say, we uh, we do tend to when we watch or when we listen to these podcasts, we go through the podcast and we have the transcript and I follow along. Um, and so I did notice that a lot of his questions were um, more on the rambling of the, on the rambling side. So he could have made his questions more concise with a little bit of work, I think, or with a little, maybe a little bit better preparation of the exact questions that he wanted to ask. Um, he probably could have, um, you know, cut those down a little bit. That's really my only criticism that I could come up with. And it's um, funny that you, you pulled that one out because I actually had made a note of how much I appreciated that when his wife asked him why now, it was literally two words. She didn't try to set the context or explain why she was asking or ramble on about it. She just simply asked, why now? 
And right. um, his his wife's questions are are you know two three two three words absolutely, um, yep. and he's a bit more uh, verbose. Uh, maybe that's his PhD coming out or whatever. Although she might have one too, for all I know. Yeah, I don't know, but no, it is it is a good observation, and it is something that we see way too often. Right, is hosts who ramble and feel like they've got to talk for twenty or thirty seconds to right. frame to up make a question. question. Yeah. And quite often it's unnecessary. So awesome feedback for, uh, <laughs> for Ian. All right. Because his songs are really a critical piece, I, I think a right. real integral a, part, a, yeah. integral part of the, the podcast. And he even comments on them in the, you know, in the trailer and in the introduction that it's, you know, song and story. So I didn't think we could do justice to this review without playing some of his music. So full real respect to, to Ian, and this is his material, not ours, but uh, I do want to play a little bit of the song from the second episode, and then we'll wrap up for this episode. Okay, that was our review of Forever is a Long Time with Ian Koss. You've been listening to No Harm in Asking with Michael Kerr and Eric Byron. Thanks for listening. We've got lots more reviews coming. Please subscribe and tell all your friends. If you would like us to review your podcast, please let us know. This podcast is sponsored by Colab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration.